0: Welcome to another inspirational message by Pastor Ron Hammonds, senior pastor at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Beaumont, Texas. For more information about Church on the Rock and Ron Hammonds ministries, visit cotr.com. Well, this evening, we're going to be continuing our study in the book of Acts, specifically Acts chapter 22 this evening, and uh, you know, there'll be uh, some scriptures from Acts 21 come up on the screen in a moment. But just by way of reminder and just by way of encouraging us uh, to, to, uh, to realize that what God is speaking us to us tonight is important to him. You know, every message uh, that comes to us from God is designed to change our life forever. It's designed by God not only to give us direction, hope, peace, answers, you know, help, uh, you know, encouragement, uh, uh, you know, reward, uh, but it's also designed for us to be able to give this same word to someone else. And tonight people will be watching all around the world they'll also be you know I'll, I'll, I'll get you know texts or emails or you know uh, 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 calls from people literally around the world to tell me a couple of things one is that they were listening and something that was said to not made a difference in their life a second one is to tell me that, that they're preaching this and that and that you know uh, they either did or did not give me credit and sometimes i i get both of them you know uh i preached it but i didn't tell anybody where i got it or i preached it and i told him I, I i heard it from you uh and, and and you know uh and then the notes from this evening will find their way you know to the ukraine to china to switzerland it surprised me the last time i looked there were you know a couple of hundred uh, 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 um, uh, preachers, ministers, you know, uh, uh, lay leaders in Switzerland or Sweden. One of them, was it Sweden? It was Sweden. You know, a couple of hundred uh, per month. Uh, you know, getting the sermon notes. Isn't that a, in, in in Sweden? I mean, I didn't uh, forgive me, but I I, I I I've been to Sweden a lot of times. You know, I was there last summer. I didn't meet two hundred believers in Sweden. Uh, but, you know, from Russia, from, you know, uh, Thailand, from Korea, from, you know, Argentina, from Venezuela, from Brazil, uh, literally all over the world and, and, and the United States. But, but out of the thousands uh, that, that will look online for these sermon notes, out of the thousands this month that will do that for these sermon notes, Uh, only maybe 1,200 to 2,000 are from the United States. Isn't that amazing? From all parts of the world. So what we do here tonight and what God has potential to do through us, should he choose to send people to this moment or to a YouTube, a adventure or to you know get uh, whatever notes uh, god is able to use these things to change lives all around the world and every message it's one of the reasons why we pay so much attention to putting what we teach into um its most basic form it's sim- it, it, it's simple form I, I must applaud you. I, I've, I've, I've got to for, for, you know, 30 plus years now, more than 31 years. You have been so kind to let me teach, you know, a lot of the milk of the Word of God. You know, uh, the way many people would look at it, it would be milk. I look at it more as meat because it's meat that sustains us. Milk and cookies are the desserts. And, you know, the desserts are fun and exciting. But, you know, but people need to desire the sincere milk of the word so they can grow. And our church impacts uh, uh, believers, especially young believers, and young disciples and young ministers all around the world every week. And so uh, what, what you have allowed me to do is to, is to make things very simple and very plain. And uh, I know that you're able to take more. I know you're able to chew more. I know you're able to swallow more and digest more. But it's a calling that's been on our church and indeed a calling that's been on my life to continue to, to, uh, to focus on some of the basic and elementary principles of of, of living the Christian life uh, that's one of the reasons why uh, you know I, I, one of the points one of the main points in my 750 point message says this first grade teachers aren't stupid we've got to remind ourselves that first grade teachers are not stupid elementary teachers aren't stupid they perhaps have to be the most educated, skilled, and patient people in the world. And the gap between what they teach and what the student comes to class knowing is the largest gap in life as a child begins to grow through elementary and into uh, secondary, you know, uh, into high school and, and, and on into college and, and on into graduate programs. And by the time, uh, uh, you know, someone is, 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 is writing their, their uh, you know, doctoral thesis, they probably know five times more than the professor that's teaching them, you know, or at least as much or more, you know. Out of what they're talking about because they have researched that one thing more than their professors who are going to grade them because the learning gap narrows the older and the stronger and the wiser you get and so you know um, you can throw out anything in you know in a graduate program it doesn't even have to be on subject on point it can be just some political philosophy And yet, you can still give them a test on subject matter even when you didn't cover subject matter. You know? And they can come to class or not come to class. You know? Generally. Not so in first grade. (laughs) In first grade, you have to stick on point because there are building blocks that have to be put in place. First grade teachers aren't stupid, it's not that they don't know calculus. Is it they have the good sense not to, you know, not to try and teach it to a first grader? It's not that they don't know, you know, uh, how to write, you know, uh, papers or, or how to, you know, uh, read Beowulf it's that they have a good sense not to do that in class in first grade because it would mean nothing. And the child would go home every day knowing nothing. And, and so to be called by God to take care of his young, growing you know, sons and daughters and ministers of God may not be always as seemingly powerful and exciting as, 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 you know, as graduate school, you know. But I would say that it has its own important place. And I want to applaud you for allowing me through the years to, to feel a position that, uh, that God has encouraged me to feel. You know? And that is to continue teaching some of the basic, some of the most rudimentary, elementary principles of God's Word. Simple things like obey god simple things like pray simple things like don't worry how many times have you had to endure me preaching that <laughs> but you know it encourages you it encourages me when you're there listening to me it encourages me to know you know and, and I know I'm going over it one more time you know I'm not daft but we have to do a b c a lot of times for the person to actually leave our classroom going A, B, C. You know, to know where P fits in the alphabet without having to go all the way from A. Oh, you don't know that yet, do you? Some of you are going to LMNOP. <laughs> <You know. laughs> to, to actually grow to the place in life, you know, that, that, you know, that they're able to handle the things of God. And so I, I want to thank you and applaud you. I know we're going through the book of Acts. But I just got another you know, request this week from another pastor. You know, asking me for information on our Acts series. Because they want to begin to teach it at the first of the year. And uh, you know, I said, well, whew. Get ready. We've been doing this about six months. You know, there are 26 chapters in the book of Acts. And we have been doing this a long time. And we were. I was trying to go verse by verse. And, I, and, and, and then I realized I was just going to have to choose one topic from each chapter. So that we could actually get through this before Jesus came back, hopefully. Or, you know, before I get as old as Mr. Perry. Uh. <laughs> Well, that won't, it takes me another 30 years to be as old as you are, so catching I'm catching up. So, uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Here we are in the book of Acts again. And the, the message tonight is designed by God and intended by God to change your life forever, even though it may seem like it might be, uh, you know, uh, a, a small beginning principle in life. You know, if you can become great in your ordinary, the extraordinary comes easy. And don't forget, we as a church are making a difference in our generation. And a difference all over the world every week. And for that, I thank you, I applaud you, I appreciate you once again. Listening with open ears and an open heart to the Word of God. Tonight's message title is Hurry Up. Okay. Here I am again, very simple, very basic. Hurry up! <laughs> in Acts chapter 22, it's the early spring of A.D. 58 by my calculations. The Apostle Paul had been directed by the Holy Spirit in early spring. Uh, it, well, it's actually already summertime by the time we get to Acts 22. But back up about 60 days. It had been early spring. When the Apostle Paul was in Greece and the Holy Spirit told him, I want you to go to Jerusalem and impressed in his spirit so that the Apostle Paul decided that he needed to be in Jerusalem by Pentecost of that year. And uh, so the Apostle Paul, you know, set out on his journey and he walked north and he caught a ship and went across the Aegean Sea from Philippi and Neapolis across To Troas and 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 uh, you know we we followed him along the last couple of weeks on his journey and he visited some churches and he and, and and he passed by some churches because he didn't want to spend too much time in Ephesus for example and he met with church leaders along the way in the cities that he had impacted while he was preaching the gospel and and every place that the apostle Paul went as we heard last week the Holy Spirit would testify in that place that chains and tribulations awaited him when he arrived at Jerusalem and although many of his friends encouraged him not to go uh, yet uh, he said none of these things move me neither do I count my life dear unto myself that I might run my race and finish my race with joy you know God has called me to preach the gospel and I am not only willing to suffer uh, for the cause of Christ but I'm willing to die if need be and so people would tell him oh don't go to Jerusalem you know, uh, you know you're know, you going to get in trouble and he'd say well I have have to go I am bound in the spirit you see God had a plan for Paul's life and God's plan was to make the Apostle Paul the most productive that the Apostle Paul could be to bring the Apostle Paul to his greatest day for him to make his greatest impact which impact by the way the Apostle Paul is still making every day in the lives of Christians and those lost coming to Christ All around the world. The Apostle Paul is today still, you know, almost 2,000 years later, still making dynamic impact. All because Almighty God had a plan for his life and the Apostle Paul was willing to step into God's plan, was willing to put his life in God's hands, even though he did not know the future. He said, I'm not sure what awaits me, but I do know this that God is calling me on. And whatever it may cost is worth the price that God is asking me to pay because he's working a work in me. He's bringing me to my best and most productive for him. It is not my will but whatever God wants from me for I have committed my body as a living sacrifice to him holy and acceptable to him which is my reasonable service and I have renewed my mind I have cast down imaginations I have cast down everything that goes against what God has placed in my heart and I'm bringing into captivity every thought through the obedience of Christ because there is a war in my mind but the weapons of my warfare are not carnal but they are mighty through God And I'm pulling down strongholds every day that's trying to keep me from my appointed rounds and I know that the devil wants to stop me and persecutions may persist but yet I have placed my life in God's hands I do not know beyond the next step but I do know the next step and the next step is for me to head toward Jerusalem and so the Apostle Paul that was enough for him to continue Let me tell you, if we just learned that one thing from the Apostle Paul in this journey, that would be enough. Put your trust in God. When you do not know the end, when you do not know the outcome, when you're looking at it, and it may look like it would cost, realize God is willing to make your life impact not only this generation, but generations to come. If you are willing, as Jesus said, to take up your cross. Deny yourself, take up your cross, and follow him. I know that's a tall order, but when we read how God supplied faith and grace to the apostle Paul in every situation, gave him the grace to endure every tribulation, chapters 20 and 21 of the book of Acts give us a detailed account of those things that happened along the way. And also an account of Paul arriving in Jerusalem for the feast. And some of the things that the Apostle Paul did, listen, this, this, this word, we are so blessed to have the Bible preserved and to have the book of Acts give us these accounts. Now, remember that those people who were living through these things we are reading, they did not have a New Testament. They did not have the benefit of seeing someone who was born again and filled with the Spirit of God following the leadership of the Holy Spirit in their life and going through things and seeing how God would would, would, would rescue them and would deliver them and bring them through. They didn't know anyone else that this had ever happened to. We get the benefit of reading how, how they trusted God by faith without having a whole lot, you know, without, without having any New Testament testimonies. Well, the particular passages that, that were written by the uh, uh, by Luke concerning the Apostle Paul's life, there is so much to be gleaned from everything that Luke accounts if Luke records something by the Holy Spirit believe me there is a reason for it and so please be careful when you read over it you know uh, each verse should be read carefully and should be meditated upon and 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 truth should be uh, uh you know should reflect in our lives so that we can see the principles and the wisdom of the Holy Spirit at work in these new believers As I said, we are very fortunate to have these preserved for us. You know, it can be a harsh reminder for us that these people that went through this, their lives, their stories are told and their lives are open and their mistakes are laid in front of us so that we can see how God delivered and helped them. No, uh, and they were learning as they went by the time we get to Acts chapter 22 we've, we've, we've seen in Acts chapter 21 we've seen in Acts chapter 20 by the time we get to Acts chapter 22 which is our chapter for this week a riot had broken out in Jerusalem after the Apostle Paul arrived there for the feast of Pentecost and the Apostle Paul had been accused of of you know, turning people away from God and from the law of God. And this mob came upon him and, and they violently beat him. And they were beating him to the point where they would have killed him and wanted to kill him. But because of this unruly mob there in Jerusalem, which, which, which was governed by Rome, and, and, and the peace was supposed to be kept by this Roman garrison of soldiers, the commander of the Roman garrison took a group of soldiers out there and, and stopped the riot and pushed in and pulled the apostle Paul away from them, and they covered him. Because this unruly group of religious zealots, Jewish Zealots, they were filled with zeal, which for them at that moment equaled hatred. For them at that moment, they were filled with a passion, but the passion was not a passion of God. It was a passion of anger. It was a passion of resentment. It was a passion of fear. It was a passion of judgmentalism and criticism. Just because someone feels empowered and feels passionate and feels protective does not always mean that they are being empowered by God. Here they're trying to tear the Apostle Paul apart. All in the name of Jehovah. Religious zealots can still cause problems for God today. This angry mob, when the commander pulled Paul away, this angry mob, they were hurling accusations. And the commander said, what's going on here? And they began to accuse the apostle Paul. The commander told his guards, put him in chains and and they put Paul in two chains and they began to carry him into the barracks to question him and to protect him. And the apostle Paul at that point must have regained a little physical strength And he was aware enough that he saw an opportunity existed for him to become a witness in this very dynamic moment, in this great emotional moment, in this great moment of passion. He realized that he had an opportunity to become a witness to the Roman commander, to the Roman soldiers, and also to that angry mob that was wanting to kill him. Paul used one of his many natural gifts. We have all been gifted naturally with some things. The Apostle Paul kept his mind and he used one of the natural gifts that that, that he had acquired along in life. And that was his ability to speak many languages, to speak several languages. And so he knew that this Roman commander spoke Greek. And so the Apostle Paul spoke to him in Greek. And it surprised the commander. He said, what? What? Do you speak Greek? And the Apostle Paul said, yes, I speak Greek. I'm an educated man. The Roman commander, you know, I imagine he scratched his head. The Bible doesn't say that. He may have adjusted his helmet. He may have, you know, you know narrowed his eyes. But he said to the Apostle well, aren't you that Egyptian guy that caused all that problems? And Paul said, no, uh uh-uh. I was educated right here in jerusalem i am a jew i i am you know i used to work for the high priest and he said would you let me say a word to these people and because he appeared you know instead of just beating down you know uh uh, The the apostle Paul was not saying, oh, help me, help me, help me. He wasn't saying, get me out of here. He wasn't saying, you know, you need to arrest them. They're the ones that are wrong. He wasn't, you know, you know, know, he wasn't, you know, wasn't pointing his finger. He was just collected and said, I want to speak to them. The commander backed up and the apostle Paul then began to speak to the crowd in their language. In Hebrew let me tell you something powerful happens in a passionate moment when you can learn to speak the language of your listeners when you can learn to communicate in a way that other people communicate and not expect everyone to understand your way but whenever you can become all things to all people if by any means God may win some through you to Christ because you aren't expecting everyone to be like you you are expecting to learn how they are and that you can speak the language of your listeners The Apostle Paul would declare that to the Jews, I could speak and interact with them as a Jew, and to the Greeks, as though I was a Greek. And to those who are under the law, as one under the law, those without the law, I I, I understood them and could communicate with them as well in their language, even though I I was not without the law myself. I did not violate God's law, but I understand I'm hanging around sinners, and they do. And I don't go condemning them and pointing my finger and pushing them away and and telling them how wrong they are. I communicate the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to save the souls of men. And I have become all things to all men, if by any means I might win some to Christ. So here he speaks to them in the Hebrew language. And he begins to give his testimony. He had an opportunity to speak. And his personal testimony was one of the most powerful things that he possessed. We're going to read a portion of Paul's testimony This evening the the very early portion as he just begins to speak to these Jews to this angry mob and we're going to see what the Holy Spirit might speak to us concerning how powerful this testimony is as Paul is giving his testimony the first thing he did is he established that I'm a Jew here's what he said I'm like you I know where you're coming from I know who you are. I know where you live. I know something about you because I'm like you. It's one of the things that's very important if you expect other people to respect you and follow you is not act as though that you've never had their problems, that you've never faced their trials. You know, there does not need to be that wide of a gap between the pastor and the people that he's leading between the Sunday school teacher and the group of people, between the connect group leader or or, or the Sunday circles table leader and those that that, that are listening. There does not need to be that wide of a gap between a father and a son, between a mother and a daughter. There does not need to be that I'm holier than you, I'm bigger than you, I'm better than you, I never make mistakes. You know, uh, thank God I'm not like you. Man, you need to straighten up. You know, and whenever you did the very same thing whenever you were their age, you need to understand that they need you to identify with them if you're going to expect them to ever listen to you you've got to be willing to be real and transparent he told them i'm a jew like you i was educated at the feet of 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 one of the most well-known and respected leaders of the judas jewish religion gamaliel All of a sudden that got their attention, that got their ears because all of these people, you know, they also were educated. They also were people, you know, that they were trying to protect the law of Moses and protect the, 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 you know, what they believed And, and, and their zeal was for the very things that they imagined Gamaliel was teaching, which they had missed the boat. He also testified that I understand where you're coming from because I used to persecute people like me. You need to read his testimony, it's powerful. I used to persecute Christians you know not only did I persecute Christians I persecuted them unto the death whoa what yeah Paul is up there saying you know you know I know who you are I'm I know I come from where you come from and I have persecuted people just like me as well I know what you're thinking I know what you're feeling I know what you're doing in fact do you know the very first Christian the very first believer, the very first church member, the very first leader of the church in Jerusalem, those that followed Christ, do you know that, that, that I was there whenever he was publicly executed by a mob just like you? And I held their coats and I consented to his death. I mean, he's, he's establishing himself in a place where they understand as a personal testimony shouldn't say, You know, you're a sinner and I'm a saint. Look at me. Look at you. You need to be like me. He gives us this, this, you know, example. He also said, in case any of them felt as though that, you know, they were kind of, you know, going to be rewarded by the high priest or the Jewish council, he said, listen, I was also a personal emissary of the high priest. I I was given papers to carry as a deputy of of, of, of the high council. Boy, that got their attention. I was an officer of the court. And I was on my way to Damascus one day with letters authorizing me to arrest and to imprison anyone that believed that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah. And Let me just tell you what happened to me. And this is where your testimony's got to get real. Let me just tell you what happened to me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm telling you what happened to me. I was on my way to persecute believers to the death. And a light shined. And when the light shined, it blinded me. And... And I fell, and I heard a voice. And, and, and the people that were with me, they were blinded as well, but they didn't hear the voice. And the voice was the Lord speaking to me. And he told me, go into Damascus, and I'm going to tell you, go on into the city, and I'm going to tell you what you should do. He said, so I went in there. And, and when I got there, you know, uh, well, Chapter 22, let's begin to read. He's given his testimony now. This is not when it happened. This is him giving the testimony of what had happened to him 23 years earlier. And he also said, by the way, you can ask your religious leaders. They know I'm telling the truth. I love that. I love to be able to say this happened to me and you can ask so-and-so and you can find out about it. You know, they were there. Acts 22 verse 6, now it happened, the apostle Paul is telling them, as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise, go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. So he said, I did. And then in verse 12, Then a certain Ananias a devout man according to the law. He was, he was also a follower. He, he also kept the law of Moses. Having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, he was a good man. He came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the same hour, I looked up at him. Now, This evening, we're going to focus our attention on on a couple of verses right here in the middle of Paul's personal testimony. And we're going to find out what the Holy Spirit would say to us this evening. Verse 14 Then Ananias said to me, The God of our fathers. Listen here, Saul. Brother Saul, the God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Oh, what a word from God. Why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Well, I submit to you tonight that God is still choosing. Just what Ananias said to the apostle Paul is what God wants us to understand tonight. If Ananias was standing right here, I have a feeling he would be pointing his finger out at us and he would say this to us, the God of our fathers has chosen you. That's what the Word says. That's what Jesus said. You have not chosen me, but I have chosen you, that you should bear fruit and that your fruit should remain. He said, you think you came to me, but you didn't. I came to you. And that's what the Holy Spirit is saying to us this evening. The God of our fathers has chosen you. You have been chosen. You might say, oh, come on now, really? Yes, really. God has chosen you. He saw you before the foundation of the world. And if he hadn't chosen you, you would not be born again tonight. Because you don't choose him. No man comes to Jesus except the Spirit of God draws him. That's the reality. God is still choosing and he has chosen you, number one, to know his will. That's what Ananias said. God has chosen you to know what he wants. Now, you may not know the end, and you may not even know the middle, but you do know the next step. God is giving everyone a next step vision. Everyone. God will not leave you without direction. Even if the next step is wait on me. Even if the next step is be still and know that I am God. Even if the next step is trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your path. Even if the next step is wait, wait, I say, upon the Lord. Even if the next step is, you know, whatever it is, God is choosing you. He's chosen you, number one, to know His will, number two, to see His Son. We don't see all things under His feet, howbeit we see Jesus. God has chosen you to see Jesus Christ and you see Him in your heart, your mind. You see Him in the Word. You see Jesus. You see Him. You see Him at work and in action. You, you see Him on the inside of you. You know His will. You see Jesus and He's chosen you to hear His Word, to hear the voice of His mouth. When the Word of God goes forth, it sounds different to you than it does to the person that is not born again he's chosen you to hear his word to embrace to understand to realize that's the word of God that's the word of the Lord when God says something to you it falls on you different than something else it rings like gold in your ears instead of tin in your ears And it's not just an accumulation of words uh, like like the devil tried to to tempt Jesus with by using Scripture and using words. No, that didn't sound like gold. It didn't sound like the voice of God. You are called by God to know His will. You're called by God to see His Son. And you're called by God to hear the voice of His mouth. Why? Because of what Ananias told the Apostle Paul. God wants you to be a witness. God wants you to be a witness. That's that's what he said in verse 15, for you will be his witness to all men. God wants you to be his witness to all types and kinds of people. God wants you to be his witness. That's what the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 18 through 20 is all about. That's what the Acts mandate in Acts 1 verse 8 to be His witness. He will give you the Holy Spirit so that you can be witnesses unto Him. And number three. Number one, you're chosen by God. Number two, God wants you to be His witness. And number three, why are you waiting? Boy, could you answer that one? Could you answer that just in your own mind? What is it that's keeping you from Really realizing you're chosen. You're chosen to know his will. You're chosen to to to, to see the sun and to hear the, the, the voice of his mouth. You're chosen to be a witness. Why are you waiting? What's keeping you from being a witness for Jesus this week? What is it? Why are you waiting? What a great, uh, you know, uh, Maybe maybe sometime at the next revival I preach, I'll just preach on why are you waiting. Why? If you could answer that, give it to God, I bet he can blow up on it and show you just how silly it looks to him. That you're waiting. Why are you waiting? Hurry up. (laughs) Hurry up. And that's what he said to Paul. Arise. Arise. Why are you waiting? Get up. Get up. And this issue of being baptized and being cleansed from your sin is an issue of getting right with God. Get up, get right. What are you waiting on? Get up and get right with God and call upon the name of the Lord. He is the one that's going to help you with everything you need. That's what we learn from Acts chapter 22 this evening. The Apostle Paul knew he would face difficult times, but he journeyed on trusting God for each step. The impact of his decisions can be felt today. How long will the impact of your life be felt? Why are you waiting?